Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. Amen. I mean, really, that's going to be our focus, our, um, what we're actually looking for this year, the cry of our heart. We were believing and praying, God, what, what's, a, what's a phrase, what's a word, what prophetically do we want to speak and seek over the life of our church? And that phrase, nothing matters more, was there for us. And um, I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, I didn't get to finish what I wanted to share last week, which is, which is great. I guess every preacher could say that, and there's always more they could say. So I'm excited to continue uh, what I want to do. Um, but I, I want to start with a quiz, see how well you were listening. So stay on this one. Oh, good, you're over there. You can't do that. So we looked at Nothing Matters More, and we have this fantastic contraption that is not childproof or safe. Uh, we discovered that prior to the service. Um, but we were looking at four areas that we think would help us, because I guess the, the challenge with a vision is, it, it's like, yes, but what do I do? What do I do? Like, so, and that's where we're trying to sort of do this. So can anyone remember what one of them was? Practices. So like prayer, uh, solitude and silence, the practices of what Jesus, what it is to actually be. A Christian, how Jesus actually lived. What, that's excellent. So anyone that's not on the key team in our... Um, would, oh, no, Jesse, was that you? Who said that? That was Yugi. Okay, fantastic. Oh, Yugi, you're not allowed to say anything anymore. Anybody else? What else did we talk about last week? Community. Being this whole idea of the community of faith and the community outside that we're going to reach and, and, and impact. Who else? What else? Stewardship. We've all been given something, talents, time, opportunities. We need to steward those as best as we can. Last one. Fantastic. You can have an early mark today. Encounter. It was all of this that we wanted to have an actual encounter with the living God who speaks, who acts, who moves today. And yet in all of this, we were like, God, we need the hand of God to come and move all of this. Because we can have individual components, but we need God to breathe and move and in our midst. And that's our prayer. That's our heart. We want to we go through that. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 18. But I want to um, say hello to um, Reverend Jim. And Bev, thank you so much for being here today. Um, just want to honour these two. I was privileged to be part of a retreat, renewal retreat. It was one of those things you say yes to without knowing you fully what you said to. And, um, and it was actually part, a bunch of leaders and pastors and, and, and Jim led that. And I was shocked because I probably wouldn't have said yes. And they said, okay, you're not allowed to use your phone for like a week. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a very important person. People might call me. All the reasons you think that you need one, it was, it was really good. It was, and so for three years we met, I think it was three years or two years, three years we met and a whole bunch of different people that I didn't know. And we got to um, become brothers and fellowship. It was awesome. So thank you for, for that pivotal part of my life. Um, great to have you here today. But I believe that Jesus uh, wants to speak to you and I. Um, we um, Online this week we, we grabbed our key uh, 
leaders and staff, and, and I challenged them. I said, tell me a moment, if we're talking about an encounter, when or what was a God encounter that you had that was incredible? And one by one, they began to tell me stories that were like the day, that day, like that literal day, someone, like God did something, came along and, did, and someone came at them. Or it was, for me, it was like, like a long time ago, that was a, a defining moment. And we all had an incredible, and they were all diverse, all different, and they all meant something to us because Jesus wants to speak and do something in our lives. And I want to I preach this morning, if I can, what I believe is a message for us into this time and season. If, if Jesus, if nothing matters more than Jesus, then what do we need? What do we need to know? And so let's look at um, Luke chapter 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. In the the three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke, this story is recorded in different ways. One, he left Jericho on the way to Jericho. One, there's two people. But the common denominator is that they're blind and it's Jericho. And when the Bible includes stuff, you've got to understand why. What is it? Is it just because it's on the way to Jerusalem? So you need to understand, yes, it is. But I wonder if Jericho could mean something else. What is it significant for? And if you're taking notes, so there's three things I think there. Number one, it's a place of great history. That every Jewish person could, uh, they went into the promised land, they walked around Jericho for a, a number of days, they were quiet because negativity breeds when you speak. And, and, and then they yelled on the last time, we went around seven times, and then shouted, and then the walls fell down. Jericho. That is that, it's that Jericho. That's that Jericho. And so they're there having that history in their mind going, this is the place where God once moved. This is the place where God did incredible things. But it's also a long time ago. And I I wonder if people are in Jericho today where you are here and you want a God encounter. You want God to speak to you, but it was so long ago. Or maybe it was your grandparents or your parents or someone else can tell a great story of how God moved. But for you, it's just a story from history. Maybe Jericho is a place of pain because when... uh, Joshua, uh, when, when the, after the walls came down, uh, on the pain of your first and your um, last born, will the city be rebuilt? And in 1 Kings 16, we see that um, this, this um, I was going to say clown, that's not really a biblical word, some, this guy decided to rebuild it and he lost his son. His eldest son, he lost his youngest son because that was the curse that Joshua placed on that place. And maybe you might find yourself today in a place of pain. Maybe it's not even because of what you did, but what someone else did. You sit here today and you're like, I want God to move in my life, but I've just been diagnosed with this. I am scared about this. I am so concerned about this. I'm, whatever it is that you feel today, even in that place of grief, I believe that Jesus wants to speak to you. Or maybe you're in a place of prosperity. And it was a, this is where Herod wintered. Because it had an oasis. It was a nice place. By the time that Jesus comes and does this, it was a place where everyone was like, oh, yes, let's go to Jericho. 
It was a nice, it was a prosperous place. The, the, the rulers don't set up a place where it's like, oh, this is a terrible place. They go, I want the best place and that's mine. And so this is where Herod wintered. So the king or the ruler of the place would winter in this place because it was such a, it had an oasis, it was prosperous. And I wonder, I wonder if, I know you've got, your, can you keep your finger in Luke 18 if you've got there, but I just want to read, can we go to my next slide just for the moment. I wonder if there's something in this. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 to 20. Just keep this scripture in your head. For you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're rich, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Hang on. This is not people outside the church. This is the church. Jesus is writing to the church in this thing. There's lots of different um, churches that he's speaking to. He's speaking to a church. This is what he's saying. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here am I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so we see Jesus, you want to go back to Luke 18, that's where we're going to pick it up from. We see Jesus, even in Revelation, he wants to have a relationship with you and I. The challenge, though, if we're honest, is that there are things in our life that become barriers to what God wants to do. When we talked about this last week, that nothing matters more than Jesus, there was faith in the room that people were like, absolutely, I, yes, you speak in my language, that is exactly what I want. And I think you're here today because you, you do. You want, there's no one, nothing that matters more than Jesus. But if we're honest, there are things that cause us, slow us, stop us, that minimize the work that Jesus wants to do, that I would say barriers, and I'll talk about three barriers this morning, that we have to break through. Because he's standing at the door knocking and going, I want to have a relationship with you, I want to have a conversation with you. Like Nick said this morning, that sitting down and eating together, that ultimate sense of fellowship friendship you can't do that with an enemy that's what Jesus wants to do with you and I it's what he wants to do with our church so let's go back to the story Jesus approached Jericho a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and when he heard the crowd going by he asked what was happening and they told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, 
they also praise God. I just want to pray if we can. Father, I thank you for your word. This life. It speaks to us today. So we pray that we would have ears to hear what you want to say specifically to us. Lord, we're all different. We all desire to know you more. And yet, there are challenges in our life. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first barrier that we see here, I see in this story, is the passion barrier. The passion barrier. Or or, or the persistence barrier. The desire, the zeal, the stickability, the focus, the ability to pursue. How do I know this? Because I struggle with this. Um, I'm reading this passage, I'm preparing for this thing, and I'm like, yes, I got my, my, my point, I'm going to do, so I'm going to do some research, I'm reading it. So while, where I was, I was like, okay, well, I'll pull out my phone, I'll look up Jericho, Jericho. why is it there? It's 27 northeast, and, 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 and the course of looking up Jericho and the fact that they had an oasis there, I discovered that I need to see what the cricket score was. And as a result of that, I then went on to another website, because that was fascinating that was interesting and I checked my emails and 15 minutes later I came back to Jericho because I'm passionate and let's be honest that's that's life that's all of us we want to follow God but there are so many things around us that are like come follow me hey you should look at this this is interesting this is the and the the whole idea for us is to come back to that place of passion that zeal It says, um, Romans 12, verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but always keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Here's the one way to look at it. Imagine look, that we've got, we've got this passion, and we have passion. You have zeal. You have, you have this desire to know God. Lord, I want you. I, want you. I, I do want to do this. But... What happens is stuff cuts in your life that just comes. I don't know. What is it for you? Entertainment. It could be what you're worried about. It could be anything, but we just add more and more stuff. For me, it's busyness, worry. It could be sin. It could be a whole bunch of things. But these things come into our life and we comfort them. And they're very nice and comfortable, and we hold on to them. But what they do, for honest, is they reduce our passion. And the Bible says to fan into flame the gift of God that you have never be lacking in zeal. And that this is one of my points at the end, is your responsibility. You can't pray oh, send down the fire from heaven. Yes, but get rid of the blanket. Get rid of the stuff that's holding and minimizing the fire of God in your life. And here we have this guy, Blind Bartimaeus. It's his last name. It's an unknown person. He's crying out to God, will you, Jesus, son of David, will you have mercy on me? And I wonder what goes through his mind that perhaps could be going through our mind. And the, uh, under this, that point, passion, one of the ways that we 
stay, if we can bust through this thing, how do we increase our passion? How do we hold to that? It's to actually seize the moments that, that are in our life. It says in the text that Jesus is passing by. And in, in the Bible, what you need to understand is there are two words for time. One is the, the chronos, the, the idea of the time as you would measure it as we do on our watches of how long you should work, all that type of stuff. But the other one is, is, is this Greek word called kairos, which is like an appointed time, a specific time, a moment of opportunity. And he sees, Bartimaeus is there sitting down and he hears that it's Jesus and he thinks, oh, there's always tomorrow. What's the fuss about? Like, let's see what else is on TV. Let's do something else. I'm, I've, I've got all the time in the world. I don't have a job. I could just wait till tomorrow. No, he doesn't. He sees this is the moment that Jesus is walking by and he's like, oh, that's it. I want, I want you. I want you. Jesus, will you move in my life? Jesus, will you do something? He seizes the opportunity and the time. Church, I want to encourage you today. God is doing something. It takes us to push through and go, I want to seize this moment, this opportunity there. But he focuses on Jesus. Nothing matters more to him than Jesus. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David. He shouts. Have you noticed that? When was the last shout you had for God? Like we're very respectable people. Uh, you, you may not be an extrovert. You might be introverted. So that's just weird. We don't do that. But I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, God, I want you. That sense of shout, that sense of, I need you, I want you, I'm desperate for you. That's what Bartimaeus has. He has a shout for God. And they're saying, be quiet, shush, shush, shush. And so he shouts all the more to God, to Jesus. He's not shouting for the sake of shouting. He's shouting only to Jesus and he keeps on shouting. So we we need to get through this passion barrier. And here's the problem, though, because we're like, yes, I'm excited. I'm seizing this moment, so God, you do your thing. And he doesn't. In fact, Jesus keeps walking. And we're like, well, see, I tried. I did that practice once, and it's not doing it anymore because it didn't work. And God is not magic. He's God. He doesn't hop to our chin. I wonder, I wonder if he did respond straight away. That maybe that's what you do for babies. But as you grow, as they grow in maturity, why does Jesus wait? Why didn't Jesus stop? Why do I need to keep asking? I think God allows us to grow in our desperation for him. I think it might be a maturity thing. He wants us to grow and mature in a world in which we can satisfy our passions for pleasure instantly. You can. You get distracted. You can get satisfied that now. And Jesus is like, I just, do you really want me? It's what I think he might be asking us. 
Do you want me more than this other stuff? So to break through this passion barrier, we've got to keep going and say, Jesus matters more. Nothing matters more. Nothing matters more. The second thing we've got to brush through is the people barrier. They rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. Sometimes you have passion and you're going for it. You're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And you go up to work and you're there and you're like, oh, this is what I'm excited for. And they're like, oh, you go to church. You, they, they give you money. You give you money. You spend all your time. You're doing this. What, you're not going to have sex before marriage. You say, you're not even going to live together. Try before you buy, really. What, are you, what planet are you people on? We need to live counterculturally. And the world will try to make you fit into its mold. And Jesus is saying, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. You need to live differently. And there are always people, and generally they're plural, generally they're the crowd, who will say to you, don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. Be quiet. Don't go that way. Just, just wait. Be like us. But God is looking for people with a different spirit. See, of the 12 spies, 10 of them are like, no, 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 it's terrible. It's really bad. Yes, it's a wonderful place, but oh my goodness, have you seen how bad this is? And only two had what the Bible calls a different spirit. That God went, you know what? I like that. I'm fascinated. I want that. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want to move in your life. This year, one of the barriers we're going to have to break through is, is the people barrier. People in our life, the, 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 what their opinion, what they say, what they do. What do you do with that loud voice that will always be there? And I, I think it was interesting, verse 39, it was those who led the way who did this. The leaders, the popular people said, be quiet, shush, you don't matter. But where were they going? He shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Something about that confession of faith that we need in our hearts. How, how do you do this in the middle of the world that everyone's like, no, 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 just be average. Just fit in with us. I think it's the, the words that we speak over our situation, over our circumstances. I want to I share something. If we go to the next slide. To inspire you this morning to see that God is at work. I spent some time praying. And so I'm like, Lord, what, what are we going to do as a church? And I want to use this as an example. We don't need to fit into the world. We can be who God's called us to be. So River's Edge Church is a significant church where people sense God is at work. It's a generous church that impacts our community locally and globally. It's a family where people discover their unique God-shaped purpose. It's a community where its leaders are faithful followers of Jesus who lead others to be the same. Is a house where the preaching and ministry is dynamic, relevant, and leads people to be more like Jesus. We're creative. We take risks and we seek to make Jesus famous. We impact everyone, regardless of age, upbringing, or any other barrier, because everyone matters. 
Our services are full of life, powerful. God is present. We practice community in church and in groups. and We live on mission and seek to grow our church to fulfill the Great Commission. We love God. We love others. Nothing matters more than Jesus. I have my own personal declarations that I say every day because the world wants to come and conform my thinking to it. Sometimes it's deliberate. Sometimes there's an evil, satanic influence over what's happening. But generally, it's towards the selfishness and flesh and everything. But we need to renew our mind, Romans 12, 2. To live according to God's word. And so how do you do that? You have to get the word of God in your heart. You have to speak out what God has for us. So my question for you. Do you have a vision? A preferred future of your life? For you, for your family? I wonder if Bartimaeus is sitting there going, be quiet. I can see myself being healed. Jesus is here right now. I want to walk a different walk. I'm sick of begging. I'm sick of living here. I want to, I, I see myself having a family. I see myself walking around, knowing people, walking from this place. He could see something and that's why he could speak out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't need to encounter the world with, actually, I've got a, 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 I've got a reason argument. He was just like, I'm just passionate for what I can see. I want God. And so for some of you, you've got to have this, what is it that God wants for your life? Do you even have a dream, a a plan for what it is? Because if you don't, the world has one for you. It totally does. It's to steal, kill and destroy what God has for you. So we've got to brush through this passion barrier. You've got to break through the people barrier. The last one, it doesn't start with P, but I'm sure Jim can tell me afterwards a better one, is the confession barrier or the past barrier. This whole idea of purpose, this mindset thing, just continuing on from that. Because I think Bartimaeus, he's passionate, he he can hear the people, but he actually needs to come to Jesus when Jesus says, bring him here. Bring him here. In Mark's gospel, it talks about the fact that he throws off his cloak and and he jumps to his feet image of this old way of life which had would have had coins or something in it even the ones he put there to start it off with he's thrown it off and gone i'm abandoning this thing and i really believe that some of us need to repent change our way of thinking to embrace the passionate life that god has for us this life that nothing matters more than jesus but you know what i find the strangest the weirdest thing in this whole story Is that Jesus, when, when, after the fact that Jesus is, takes a while to get to him, but when he does say, come to him, he then says to him, what do you want me to do for you? I reckon that is the weirdest question. Because it's pretty obvious to me. He can't see. He's blind. He's calling out, yelling. He's, he's passionate. He's busted through all the people there's one more barrier that he's got to break through. It's his mindset. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And, and notice how Jesus doesn't say, right, bring him here. Let's pray for him. Like, this is how we do a miracle, guys. This is how this works. Like, 
He says, what do you want me to do for you? I reckon that's incredible. Because I think there's, what Jesus is trying to show you and I is the power of our words, the pr- power of our prayer. You do not have because you do not ask, James 4 verse 2 says, and so you manipulate, you do all sorts of stuff, but that whole idea of prayer, coming to God and saying, God, I want this, I desire this, I actually would love to see this in my life, is there. Jesus teaches and says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. I want to challenge you to speak and and pray, God, this is what I want. Some of us have the sound of music theology. What I mean by that, you just think, hey, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Just fairy dust will fall from heaven and stuff will happen. I wonder if this guy said to Jesus, I would like a new house. I wonder if that's what he would have got. I wonder what he would, if I want to be married, I don't want to have a great family. I wonder if, I can have a problem. You don't want to see? No, no, no. What is it that you want? God gives you the desires of your heart. But he needs you to articulate it. Let's go back, if we can, to Revelation chapter 3. Go back. One more, one more. So hear this, you hear this thing. I want to challenge us today to listen to the story of Bartimaeus and apply it to our life. And so this, Revelation, is a whole bunch of different churches that, that John sees and, and Jesus it speaks to those churches. And he says to the Laodicean church, which is lukewarm, it's neither hot nor cold, you say, I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I'm fascinated by this phrase because I wonder if Jesus were to come to your life today and say, what, what do you want? What would you say? Um, could you lower interest rates? Could you, I just want a happy life. I just want you to, um, what do I need? What do I need? I don't really need anything. I get pretty much everything I need. I work hard. My family's good. What is it that you need? I wonder if some of us are prosperous enough that we don't need a thing. Listen to what Jesus says, but you do not need, realize that you are wretched, Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel with you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love are rebuke and discipline. What is it that you want? You can read the rest of the... I was speaking to someone a couple of weeks ago who said, last year was the worst year of my life. The worst year of my life. Terrible, financial, like all sorts of situations that were happening. 
But the flip side was, I thank God I went through that. Because I now know Jesus like I've never known him before. I actually feel closer to him than I've ever done before. I am actually grateful that I went through this really awful, terrible situation because of the fruit of what I'm seeing in my life. If you said, do you want to go through some bad stuff? No. But sometimes going through that is, is helpful. I want to encourage you this morning to dream again though to believe again i i'm sure bartimaeus at one point went this is my lot in life i'm a beggar i wonder if he he thought well this is this is about as good as it's ever going to be Here I am in Jericho, the place where God moved in the past, but he's not here today. He's never going to do something in my life. I just, oh well, this is it. This is about as good as it's going to be. I'm happy here. Well, I'm not happy. I'm trying to be content. I'm trying to not dream. I'm never going to actually. So when Jesus comes, what do you want? It's like, do I ever, like, I'm wondering, do you, do you know what is actually his heart to say, I want to see that's what Jesus is doing in that moment. He's trying to awaken the dream in his heart to see what God can do. That some of us have snuffed out because of bad circumstances, situations, or it's been so long that we go, no, no, um, that's for them. Jericho, the place of pain and suffering. He lifts up his head that Jesus is passing by at this moment to actually, maybe today he could actually do something and change my circumstance. For him, it wasn't so much about the prosperity. But I wonder for us if it is, that Jericho, this place of prosperity, that we don't need anything. But if Jesus were to come to us and say, what do you want? What would we say? What would we say? It's a really interesting question. I wonder if the, the, the team could come. That would be great. I want to encourage you, on the, in the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, said that he would give dreams. He would give visions. He would give you the opportunity to see the God future for your life. I'm not saying your life will change tomorrow and everything will live happily ever after. But in the middle of that, God can awaken you to say, hey, what if God could turn up and do something today? What if I could believe that I could, if I can push through all of these things, that God could actually work and do something, a miracle even in my life? What if today is that day? I love, um, if you read Matthew's version of this, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. And whoever you identify with most in this story, I want to tell you that Jesus has compassion. He sees Bartimaeus and he's like, oh, oh, I want to see you different. He loves. And I think we, we need to see that like Colossians that he that in everything is first place that he is that God who is the friend of tax collectors and sinners who hung on the cross for me and bled for hours 
cried out, Father, forgive them. Said it is finished, that we would have hope and the freedom and the life. And I want to encourage you to see that Jesus wants to do something in your life today. Wherever you find yourself. He wants to do something in your life. To move you from that place of sitting down begging to being a contributor. To say, I want to be part of this. He ends up following Jesus and walking with him into that future that Jesus has for him. I think the challenge though in this is that we sometimes we hear a story like this, okay, well, I'm just going to pray more. And that's, that's excellent. That's really, we should all be praying more, I'm sure. But to break through this passion barrier, this people barrier, this confession barrier requires you and I to do something. Because God's wanting us, he, like, we, when we say, God, we want nothing more than you, he's like, come on. That's exactly what I want. Take a first step. I want to see you take that step. And, uh, and really what we need to do today is take that first step, whatever that might be for us. Because these barriers, you've just got to break them. You've got to push through them. You've got to walk through them. You've got to kick them over. You can be polite and kind, do whatever you need to do, but it's our responsibility the Spirit of God working inside us to help us. But really practically, what I'd love you to do this week is to encourage somebody to kick over a barrier in their life. Because you might say, Luke, I've just, oh, that just sounds like hard work to go and do all this stuff. It is by yourself, but I'm telling you, we have the Spirit of God and we have our church family. I want to read to you my last scripture today. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think that you and I have an important opportunity to encourage our brothers and sisters to move beyond this and I want to encourage I want to challenge you this week today yes do it for you but do it for someone else what if you could ring someone what if you could meet with someone what if you could text them what if you could do some other thing on social media that you're all into whatever what if you did something for someone else you can do this God's got a plan for your life. I believe you can do this because it's hard by yourself. Imagine if, well, we've seen the story where they say to Bartimaeus, yes, he's calling you now. Now we should get up and do this. But imagine from the start, they went, hey, Jesus is here. Today's your opportunity. Come on, you can come to the front of the line. I know you can't see where you're going. Let me take you. Here it is. What an atmosphere of faith. How exciting would that be? 
rather than just saying, hey, well, Lord, here am I. Yes, Lord, here am I, but send me, use me. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.